Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan, the draft is next week, and it's like Christmas Day for all yeah. the potential great gifts the Raiders could get. Unfortunately, Raider fans have been very disappointed with their selections over the last four or five years. So, Stan, why don't we begin with this? Tell me, in your opinion, the Raiders' biggest draft needs and give them to me in order. Oh, okay. Well, definitely it's on the defense side of the ball. Yes. Uh, I would go uh, secondary. Then I would go linebacker. And then third, I would and definitely not. And, I, and when I say third, I don't mean that by any stretch of it's less important because obviously Jimmy G is going to need this offensive line. So that would be uh, my top three as far as uh, what the uh, the biggest needs are in draft order. I'm sorry, in order from uh, most important to lesser important, not least important is secondary linebacker and then offensive line. Now, Stan, when you're talking secondary, are you talking just the corners? I'm talking talk- everybody. Okay. Everybody. Obviously, uh, uh, Morig did a pretty good job. I like him. Young guy. He's going to grow into a better player. But outside of him, with him being young and showing potential, I think that you need to have an overhaul. I think that you need to get an injection of some young talent in there. All right. Well, let's just do a quick recap. Uh, some of the more notable free agent signings for the Raiders during this offseason. We'll begin with the defensive side of the football because that's where you just focused on. And the Raiders did sign uh, Brandon Faceon. Remember, he was with the team a couple years ago, David uh-huh. Long Jr. I mean, Stan, to me, those are backups. I don't think they're going to be a real difference makers on on the back end. Now, Rocky Seen is still a free agent, uh, so there's a possibility the Raiders could bring him back. I mean, he played a limited number of games. He was injured quite often. They also signed... Linebacker Robert Spillane, who had been with the Steelers. He's certainly a starting candidate at middle linebacker. And then they also signed former Eagle uh, safety Marcus Epps, who's likely, Stan, going to start at this point, depending on what they do in the draft. And on the offensive side, you know, Jimmy G, you mentioned him. He's the new starting quarterback for the Raiders. Along the O-line, the team resigned guard Alex Bars. Offensive tackles Brandon Parker and Jermaine Illuminar. I mean, those are the same guys to me, Stan, who struggled with pass protection all of last year. So. You know, besides Jimmy G, I don't know how many of these moves really move the needle, as as you and I like to say. And before we dive more into the draft, let me just get our promo read in here real quick. And BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs, basketball, baseball, hockey, right to UFC, and boxing. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options in your favorite casino and card games. You can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use your promo code BLEAVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Stan, the Raiders have 12 picks in this year's draft. They have actually four in the top 100. Do you see? Do you see a bit, uh, you know a scenario? Should they stand pat at seven? Stand, trade up, trade down, and if they do stand pat, who would you like to see them take? Oh, uh, I think that uh, 
if you're going to trade up, that means you're going after somebody like Will Anderson, you know, somebody that's expected to go in the top five picks of the draft, which right now, presently assembled, you have Max Crosby. Obviously, you have a Chandler Jones, so you don't exactly need that edge rusher that you're going to spend a top five pick on. I would just stand pat unless you're one, unless you want to try to get up in the top five picks to maybe go after C.J. Stroud um, or a Bryce Young, but that's why you signed Jimmy G, at least right. at the very least, being a bridge gap type of a quarterback to lead you into your next franchise guy. I would stand pat at, at uh, pick number seven. And with that, I would go ahead and take one of those corners. I would either take uh, out of uh, out of Oregon, um, Christian Gonzalez, right. or I would simply go and I would take Witherspoon out of Illinois, big, long, rangy corner. Uh, th- he gave up the least amount of passing yards last year in NCAA. That's where I would go with my number seven pick. You have to go defense. What position are you drafting offensively with the number seven pick? What are you going to do? Take Anthony Richardson out of Florida, the quarterback who he did not elevate his Florida Gators team to victories and a high winning percentage. You have Jimmy G. You're going to go and try to draft Will Levitz. He did not elevate his Kentucky Wildcats to a illustrious record, but he didn't even have an illustrious stat line from last year. So, Go ahead, stay on the defense side of the ball, get you a corner, or if there's somebody else that you want to go after, that you want to go after, by all means, go ahead and do that. But you have to address the defense side of the ball that broke a record last year for having the most 20-point-plus blown leads in NFL history. Yeah, Stan, I'm with you. I think, you know, I just mentioned they have 12 picks in this draft, and you got to – I'm thinking at least two-thirds of them got to be on the defensive side of the football and then maybe the others are addressing the right side of that offensive line because to me that's still a huge concern. But you're right, the defense has to be completely overhauled. And some of the signings that I've mentioned earlier in the podcast, I just they're not they're not needle movers to me whatsoever. So Stan, let me ask you this: You played eight years in the NFL. You're starting cornerback for seven of those with the Raiders. You said they should either take Devon Witherspoon or Oregon's Christian Gonzalez. You've seen these guys. Can you break them down for our audience and what do you like about them and what are maybe you got to have a little concerns because everybody has a little bit of concerns about guys making the jump from college to the NFL. <laughs> it's a huge, yeah, you're laughing because it's a huge jump. Yes. And we're talking about Witherspoon and Gonzalez. Yes. I think uh, uh, to me, I would say Gonzalez is a little bit more of a playmaker. Obviously, he's from the state of Texas, so you know I ride with anybody uh, <laughs> like that. So uh, him going to Oregon, transferring from Colorado to Oregon, following his DB coach, who then moved over to the Oregon Ducks. I I, I like the way he's played. I think that he's more of a playmaker than a Witherspoon, who's more of like a man coverage guy. Both of them have pretty good size. They're six foot plus. And I really just think that it's going to come down to the pieces that you have around him. Are you going to go ahead and maybe add another safety? Maybe you want to add another little bit of a depth when it comes to being an edge rusher. Obviously, Max Crosby is your stud. Chandler Jones still has something left in the tank. So are you going to implement the type of a scheme that's going to be conducive for both their skill sets? So to me, I think they're both long. They're both big. They both are able to play that position outside the numbers, not necessarily a slot guy or something like that for a nickelback. I don't think that you're going to massively go wrong with either, but If you're asking me right now off the top of my head, the one thing that the Raiders have not done a good job of over the last couple of years is making plays on the ball. So I would go with a Christian Gonzalez because he's more of a playmaking corner. Yes, Dan, that's the one thing that you just stood out to me is when you were talking about, you said Christian Gonzalez, he's more of a playmaker. 
And Stan, I mean, when you, we look at this Raiders defense right now, Max Crosby is probably, I don't know, I'll throw Nate Hobbs in there because Nate's very good in the slot. I think he's more suited towards being a slot corner uh, yes, than absolutely. playing on the outside. So uh, to me, you said Christian Gonzalez, he is a playmaker. And that's one thing that the Raiders need, desperately need besides Max Crosby. I don't yes. really think they have any of those. So based on what you're telling me, I think I'm going Oregon's Christian Gonzalez if he's there at seven. Stan, let me ask you this. I know you said the Raiders should stand pat, but if there's any doubt, if, if Gonzalez is the guy they're zeroing in on, how far of a leap would you make up in the draft just to make sure you secure getting him? Would you try to jump up to five after the Colts pick at number four? Or would I don't you really just, go ahead. I, to me, I don't see a team taking him in the top five. Me personally, I could be wrong. Like I said, I've been wrong before. So no <laughs> doubt about that. Um, I just, to me, I feel at seven, you're going to be able to grab Witherspoon or Gonzalez to me. And I think that because both of them, I view them in the same realm. Like I don't view them as one being head and shoulders above the other. I really don't think that you're going to go massively wrong choosing either. That's my personal opinion. Now, if you're asking me, are one of those guys going to come into the league and play the way Sauce Gardner did last year? or play the way Tariq Willen did last year for the Seattle Seahawks, being rookies, making it to the Pro Bowl. I'm not sure that I see that out of either of them. So that's why when you ask that question about trading up, I'm more of the mindset of if one of them is gone, pick the other one. And okay. I don't think it's going to be a massive drop-off in between the two as far as how their rookie seasons go. Okay, that's fair. So, Stan, let me ask you this. I wanted to talk about another uh, player who's, I guess, lightning rod maybe. Uh, I don't, a way to describe him, and that's uh, Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter. He's thought to be one of yes. the best defensive players in this draft, but he recently pleaded no contest on two misdemeanor charges of racing and reckless driving. I think it's interesting with the Raiders' pass. Obviously, you played for yeah, Al Davis. I, I know it, you're going with this. Yes. To me, Al would be like, you know what? You get a clean slate with me, where Mark, his son, who now owns the team, is completely opposite. He doesn't want – if you've got a blemish on your record, he doesn't want you so – if you put on your GM hat, would you take Jalen Carter knowing everything that you know at this point? Well, I think I'll, I'll also uh, to what you just said about what Mark Davidson, his mindset, because of everything that transpired with Henry Ruggs a couple right. years ago, yep. that right there now makes everybody uber sensitive. It makes everybody uber critical for a situation like what you're just speaking on with Jalen Carter, with racing the car and being reckless and things like that. So now coming into the black and silver, coming out to Las Vegas, which is Sin City, obviously clubs are open till four or five o'clock in the morning. You got to be able to make sure that this kid does not come out to the Las Vegas, Nevada and actually just lose his mind and starts what? Reckless driving out there as well. So we saw what happened with the Henry Rugg situation. Everybody is clearly uh, very appreciative and sensitive to that topic. So I think that right there brings much more sensitivity, brings much more trepidation for the Las Vegas Raiders situation as far as drafting him versus another team. But to your point, to your question, that's where you got to sit him down. You got to have a deep conversation with him. And I mean an awkward, uncomfortable conversation and ask a lot of those questions about where his mind is. Is that something that he loves to do? Is that something that he just simply got peer pressured into doing? Is that something that was his idea? You got to ask a lot of deep questions before you even decide to make that choice. And I say that because of Mark Davis, like you just said, 
different from Al. God rest his soul. Mark Davis, he's a little bit more nervous. He's got a little bit more trepidation. But to soothe everyone's apprehensions, that's why you got to have a deep conversation with him if you're thinking of going in that direction. Dan, from the defensive side of the football, who to you is the most talented player in this draft pool? Uh, to me, I would probably have to go with Jalen Carter, okay. uh, in my personal opinion. And I say that because you look at Will Anderson, everybody has him rated very high. Obviously, he's productive. There's no doubt about that. But a lot of people that I've talked to have mentioned that they don't see generational talent. They don't see truly number one overall pick in the draft type of talent out of him. Now, clearly went to Alabama. He's a stud. There's no doubt about that. But as far as seeing that Miles Garrett, <laughs> that Vaughn Miller, that Jadavion Clowney type of talent, generational talent, where, oh my God, I've never seen this freakish of an athlete before. That's what a lot of people are saying that they don't quite see out of him, but good character, high motor, going to play hard for you and do everything like that. So I do not see a bunch of true difference makers in this draft on the defensive side of the ball. I don't. Now, obviously, somebody's going to be the first defensive player taken off the board. There's no doubt about that. But when you're asking me who I'd say the best player in this draft pool is on the defense side of the ball, it's very difficult because I don't really see many guys that I think are studs that I know are going to walk into the NFL and then they're going to they're going to have the type of rookie season that you saw Nick Bosa have for the San Francisco 49ers that you saw uh the D uh, the D and the rushing I'm sorry just uh, uh uh I'm drawing a blank for the Washington Commanders out of Ohio State a couple years ago I forget his name Dred good player yes. went to the pro bowl as a rookie um so that to me is where I see this talent pool is void of that Okay, Stan, but okay, so maybe there's not, maybe there's not, you know, a Charles Woodson like the Raiders took in, in 98, who's yeah, going to be a Hall of Famer. But let me ask you this, though. Do you see these guys as long-term starters who you can plug oh, in yes. and maybe get a second contract for a oh, no, 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 Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. Like, I okay. see, I see talent. I see players. Like, I see guys who are going to be productive in this NFL. There's no doubt about that. But am I seeing guys who I think are going to be runner-up or uh, or challenging for defense player of the year in the first, you know, three, four mm -hmm. years, something like that. I don't know if I see that type of talent. Okay. All right. Based on that, Stan, like I said earlier, the Raiders have 12 picks, four picks in the top 100. Raiders have done their homework. Let's just say, and I know there's no such thing as a perfect draft, but let's just say the Raiders come as close to it as possible. Can, can, can we get at least three starters on defense if everything goes according to plan and they nail the, a lot of these picks? You better get three damn starters in this draft. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Because like, I just, like I'm telling you, DA, this defense is void of a lot of playmakers. It's void of a lot of talent. You better come up with three damn starters in this draft. You got 12 picks. So you're going to have to do that. There, there's, not, there's not a question of, well, Stan, do you see, you know, if our favorite thing goes well, do you see that being possible? Man, that better happen. Because otherwise, why the hell am I paying you as my GM? That's something that they're going to have to make sure that they hit hard. But also at the same time, that's where player development comes into play. That's where coaching comes into play. That's where making sure that you have a scheme that is conducive to the skill set of your players, not your players needing to fit your system. There has to be a little bit of a give and take right there. So to me, 
everything in totality as far as the GM choosing the players, player development, having good schemes around them, being able to develop them so they can play within that scheme. I think everything all goes hand in hand. It's got to be working in unison. Yeah, you just brought you just mentioned something, and I was thinking about this earlier, especially with your career. Uh, you didn't make the playoffs one time with the Raiders, seven years with them. Mm-hmm. Did, did you reach your, <clears throat> excuse me, I beg your pardon. Did you reach your potential playing for the Oakland Raiders? I feel that because of my skill set, obviously long, rangy, fast, I can do all that. Because we played a lot of man coverage, that was what I was, that's what was conducive for me. That was my, that was part of my bread and butter, my skill set. I played a heavy amount of man coverage, even going back to my college days. So if for me, I feel like the only thing that probably kept me from reaching my truest or highest potential was when Reggie McKenzie came in. They wanted a clean house. Mm-hmm. He wanted to try to send a message. They went ahead, cut me, not even realizing that they st- I still had $10 million left on my guaranteed, uh, uh, the guaranteed part of my contract. So that right there, leaving the Oakland Raiders after Al Davis passed, when you saw so many people within the organization started trying to flex their own muscle, trying to do things their way, because Al is now finally out of the fold. And a lot of people don't know this, but I'll go ahead and just say it. After Al passed, we started running a lot more zone coverage because oh. that's when you started seeing more people within the facility started wanting to do things their way. But we were a defense constructed, or I'm sorry, we were a defense that was designed. We were a defense that was handpicked the personnel for man coverage. So all of a sudden, here we go, starting week six, week seven, we're now running a lot more zone. And mind you, this is 2011. What happened during the offseason of 2011? It was a lockout. We didn't even have no damn OTAs or minicamps. So in many aspects, we all of a sudden are now into the season, flip the switch, and now start running a completely different defensive scheme with no OTAs, with no minicamp, things like that. And then obviously that's why we faltered down the stretch going one and four in December of 2011, missing the playoffs, losing it to Tim Tebow, uh, no less. So that right there, that was a bitter end, a very sour ending to that year, very sour ending to my tenure with the Oakland Raiders. So I feel that if Al would have stayed alive, we'd have still maintained a certain type of defensive regimen that we were doing. If I would have stayed an Oakland Raider, I truly feel that that year, Going into the year eight, I would have gone from good to great, but hindsight is twenty twenty, and <laughs> you know that's not the way the world works. That's not the way life works. But uh, to your point, I think that uh, I definitely was able to reach my full potential being in the black and silver. Man, if the old man knew you guys were playing zone, he would have turned over in his grace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, I know, man. I know. Last, last question before uh, we wrap things up here. All right, the NBA playoffs are underway. Who you got winning it all, Stan? Oh, my goodness. Right now, I would probably have to go with right now who's looking the best to me, Boston out of the East, uh, maybe the Nuggets out of the West, but I'm still not certain because, you know, the Dubs, your team, they got a W last night. Draymond Green's going to be coming back for game four. And I think that when you have Steph Curry, when you have Klay Thompson, when you got Draymond Green, when he's not stepping on people like he's Hulk Hogan, and then you got a Jordan Poole and everybody being led by Steve Kerr. I just think it's very difficult to count them out because you look at the Phoenix Suns who got a lot of firepower, but they're barely beating a Kawhi Leonard and Paul George less 
uh, uh, Los Angeles Clippers. So that right there just goes to show that I think it's still a little too early to tell. But I think Boston, obviously, they're one of the top teams in the East. You see Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. He's now banged up. You're seeing a lot of injuries happen within these playoffs. So uh, right now, I would go with Boston and Denver Nuggets. But I am not firm on either one of those because I think it's a lot of parity and injuries seem to be playing a big part in this first round, which I'm pretty sure it's probably going to take its toll in the second and third round as well, leading up to the NBA Finals. So uh, I say that with a grain of salt right now. Boston looks good. Denver looks good. But, man, you cannot count out Steph Curry. No, you cannot. I, you know, I look at I'm obviously partial to my Warriors, but before the playoffs started, I thought Phoenix out of the West tonight. I flipped the coin. I couldn't figure out whether it was going to be Boston or Milwaukee. So I, I picked Boston. So uh, hopefully I'm wrong in the West, but I, I'm with you, Stan. I like Boston coming out of the East. So yeah, good stuff. You got a little uh, NFL folks and you got some NBA as well. So mm-hmm. that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening and may all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.